said, I'm bringing them in right now. I so didn't like, yeah, no pressure. that letter. I was listening to it like yesterday mm-hmm. morning and I fell asleep, but I, I need to finish it because it was really interesting. Yeah. It just added to the story. Oh, yeah, totally. I found the, because the letter essentially I think is the, is it the start idea of it all? Is it the start of, let's get closer. Is it the start, almost like they write like a, oh, what is that called? When a TV show, a pilot it's like a pilot, is it not? I think so. Oh, yeah. I guess that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Is it a whole book? Forty-three pages ebook. Oh, it's yeah. forty-three pages. Is that letter the whole book that they're reading out? I think it is the. Let's see, Severance letter. I think it is. I think it is the whole thing. Let's check it out here. It's on Apple Books. Of course, it is. So most recent breakdown, letter in PDF form. So I think it is the entire. Yeah, I think it's the entire letter. It was released episode four or episode six, sorry. But yeah, it was very, pardon me. It was very telling almost. Yeah, like the duality of the personalities and the thin veil of trying to protect a persona that you don't quite know. Mm. And you are also, you're also part it's almost like the personality can get into trouble and have to deal with all this stuff emotionally. Whereas the person who is not the personality doesn't have the emotional backlash that they have to navigate. I think it really shows, yeah, the power of perception in in that regard. And obviously the technology to separate the two, but yeah, it was just like very interesting and how reversionary the personality had to do had to how far are you in i guess through it maybe i don't want to mm. how, how far are you through it i don't want oh to, the letter oh sorry i see what you're saying have you got to the part where they're writing notes to each other yes okay okay yes so i thought that was interesting because the almost like familiar biological nature of that person at an early age was to make up a sort of like a what are they called? Anagram, like kind of. Yeah, language? they made the they made that code language, and it seeped through to Peggy's innie. Yeah, and then they were able was able to get bad bass past the code mm-hmm. reader, but that that shows up in the series as well. So, for example, we have Irving's paintings. Oh, um, is it Irving's paintings, or is it the interest in painting Irvin has? No, sorry. When you look at Irving's Audi, he's painting that elevator. Yes. Yep. And it's the elevator that Gemma or Miss Casey the break went room. down when she was uh, getting put to sleep, I guess. Getting put back. Oh, shit. I didn't even tie that together. We're, yeah. Uh, but then, are we like, okay, one sec. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt yeah. you. Are we like in, are we in it now? Are we like starting the ground floor? We're just like preambling. I, we might be preambling. Maybe okay, preamb- we should, because yes. it was not a very organized discussion. We're like starting at the end. But, but yeah, yeah. Good. But then you have to wonder like how he's seen that elevator before. And well, he was also in the military, correct? I think it was I his dad that was in the. I think it's his dad was in the military. Oh, that those were all those pictures. Yeah, because he pulled out a picture and it said "dad." But I feel like I totally glossed over some of that stuff. That's crazy. I don't no, know. that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, I think it was his dad's military mm-hmm. stuff. Which, when people meet their family, 
on the outside, that seems to be the thing that, I don't know, breaks them in a way. Not breaks them, but shoot, I need to pull up are, are you names. Are you relating it to like real life or are you relating it to just severance? No, just in severance. So, okay. you know, when, oh, what's that guy's name? <laughs> Which guy? The Lynn? guy who sees his son? his son. Dylan. Yeah. Dylan. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So when Dylan sees his son, that's what sort of turns him over. I would say Irving, though, is more turned against him by Bert's leaving. But even like when Mark meets his, Mark S meets his sister. I don't know. It's just when you start to realize, like when the innie starts to realize everything that they're missing out on their Audi's mm -hmm. life, that's, <laughs> yeah, like breaks them. Yeah, because I guess when they're the when they're the innie and they're inside all this stuff they're just there to perform tasks and mm. it's almost like their whole it's their whole experience is just work mm -hmm. their whole experience is just to do yeah a job that doesn't really take into account anything humanistic like their mm. interests or wanting to be your curiosity, your like for the for the most part, I feel if you are lucky enough to be working in an environment or to to do a job that you're very interested in, that definitely changes your relationship to the activity that you're doing because it is almost like being in a frame of one to one. It's like I'm doing something that I really enjoy a majority of the time. And unlike, let's say, doing something that you really don't want to do a majority of the time, that can also have, let's say, yeah, ramifications on many things where you're just not quite happy. It depends on what that, let's say, if one, if a task fuels, let's say, your outside life that you can enjoy. Oh, I make a lot of money. Oh, I'm going to go parasailing this weekend but mm. i had to work like nine to nine to deal with whatever what have you but the innies work a task and the task that they feel the enjoyment for is only completion and they yeah they've never slept they're always and they're, they're oh yeah sort that's of, a good point yeah they're given the amount of juice based on what the and it's also vice versa so they don't know what it is to dream they don't they're they're literally just doing the work and not yeah i guess reaping any kind of benefits based off that so it's like it's very weird when that circumstance with the circumstance you're dealing with red of the gates we're gonna i'm just gonna start i'm gonna pull the plug yeah okay yeah why don't we yeah let's just start right now. <laughs> all right this is replayable and we are talking about the fantastic i don't want to like feed you too much there <laughs> or whatever but i really enjoyed severance and we're just talking about the relationship and the philosophies behind it at the moment yeah wow it's so good and i guess yeah that that whole point of the any trying to find almost i would say trying to find a reason to keep doing what they're doing mm -hmm. human beings are story making machines so they're just, and it's, if I'm doing a task and I don't know what the meaning is, what is it for? And you don't know the impact of the task that you're doing in the short story that I, that was uh, that link that I sent you, it was essentially like a coordinate system to where the task that she did at the time that it was completed 
also destroyed a competitor's shipment that was on delivery for something. Yeah, that's where I think the ominous overtones of this idea of, okay, I'm showing at a job doing a task that I have no understanding of how it will connect with society. Well, and, and watching this show, you have no idea. You're just like, yeah. they're doing something, but you don't know mm -hmm. what it is. Like, why mm -hmm. would they go so far to protect the secrets of their company if you, if it was anything, if it was not useful? Yeah, I think the practicality of the technology that they created, it's very interesting. The use that, the function that certain people are using it for which mm. I find very interesting because they're okay. So when dealing with things that are very difficult, things that are very challenging emotionally, that can have far reaching consequences on your personality. Let's say like the main character had Mark, he lost his, his wife died and his relationship to severance was his real life outside of the, I guess the Audi life was having a very difficult time trying to find, yeah, I guess an equilibrium balance life. Mm. It's dealing with death. I think it's any challenging situation that you can no longer, I would almost say maybe the technology is a perfect version of compartment, was it compartmentalization where. Oh, yeah. You know what? I never made that connection, but you're right. It is compartmentalizing. Yeah. So it's like he had a detrimental thing that happened and then he can't, it's like emotionally, he has not yet developed the inroads to mitigate the challenging realization and circumstance that he's gone through, which when he starts to deal with it permeates in his behavior when he's facing it. So he starts to drink more. He becomes more, I wouldn't say unhinged, but I would mm -hmm. say there's earmarks of what he was like prior to, let's say, the severance program. And I think using severance as like a coping mechanism, because that's essentially, I think for him, its function was he used it to cope so that he could almost get back and live in uh, sort of like an everyday life where it's like he has a uh, separation from a very yeah difficult emotional circumstance and yeah yeah it's just yeah it's interesting to see how the any then has to is trying to find meaning in some things that he's doing and his friend you see initially who was on the job with him, who I would say stalks him, Petey, and was trying to tell him, hey, what we're doing here is not good. How far that previous conversation went, we don't know because we're dropped into this, we're dropped into this almost right out of the gates trying to pick up like, okay, from a story element, what is the precursor or what is the, the pre-story that's taking place? Where are we now? And how do we put together the story of what's taking place? And yeah, that I think begins to spark that character of, okay, I only know the work, but what's the meaning of what I'm doing? I need to find more. I need to find more value in the actions of what I'm doing. And I think that 
it's almost human nature to a degree to to try to make sense of what's going on, especially when you have no real kind of bearing within a an environment that is very sterile and is very created in such a way that it doesn't want your mind to reach out and try to find more meaning. It's almost, yeah, it is almost akin to, I want to say meditation, but I think that is completely incorrect. But it is trying to put you in a place that there are no hooks for your imagination to roam. And then I think what you're seeing happen is people begin to go maybe a little stir crazy based on little parts of ingredients that are introduced that then they're reframing into something that is much more maybe along the lines of their biology in how they try to problem solve. Maybe I'm reading into like so much so that might not even be there. But I found that it was very interesting, let's say as Helly. Yes. She, she's introduced. And yes. her character is very much so at odds with the environment and is very, I would say, powerful in her being at odds with the environment and very challenging and being at odds with the environment. And it's very like when you see as her counterpart, let's say Mark, who's very almost like he's trying to find balance. He's very level-headed, but her personality is much more... It, it is very big and mm -hmm. it shows when you have that split, when you see who all the characters actually are in the Audi world. Yes. And it's like her, it's like her biology and personality is like that because she's very big on the yes. outside. Yeah, that's really interesting. And we've never seen anybody else integrate so far. Our, our <laughs> only experience is her, but she seems to resist it like immediately and mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what they do she is not satisfied with any of those answers with any of those solutions yeah no she's very interesting and i never really made that connection like yeah maybe it is related to the fact that in on the outside like she doesn't answer to anyone nope. really maybe except her dad but she doesn't answer mm -hmm. to anyone and here she's quite literally has to answer to everyone yeah and and she said at odds, and I think that she has rebelled so thoroughly against her Audi. And I think, yeah, the framing of, it's almost like a base, how can you put it? It's almost like the earmarks of what made her successful on the exterior is mm. essentially the same earmarks of what's making her very, uh, I think, uh, I think inherited wealth is probably what <laughs> made her what she is on the outside. She's not like a self-made woman or anything. No. She's born very privileged. But I, I would say based on her ability to, I guess when you're, okay, I think how they tried to shape the character is that she's very, yeah, she's born into wealth, but I think that wealth gives you an vantage point where, and I'm seeing it actually, I'm watching this other thing that I'll tie into it. So I'm watching F1, this Netflix series, and it's, yeah, these story of all these racing teams and the principles, which are the race racing team take, that they like take care 
of the team to make sure that they're always on par. And you have this team, Haas, who has uh, a Russian oligarch who has giving them funding. This will all make sense. So he's giving the team funding. I was going to say, what's the connection? <laughs> so it's like he's giving this team funding, but his son is racing on the team as one of the, the drivers. And you have another person who, for, one, for the ones who know anything about F1, Michael Schumacher's son is one of the drivers on the team as well. But the Russian oligarch is having so much problem with the car that, or the how he's driving, he feels that it's the car's problem. He's like the both cars that they're driving, mirror images, the same car. But because Schumacher's son, he comes from a lineage of F1 drivers, at an exceptionally high level and he's won everything because of his father's tutelage of the craft of like driving f1 cars and his father was an incredible racing racer as well that his next step into f1 is an almost like a natural progression whereas the russian oligarch son has raced and is interested in racing his father isn't in racing at all but the psychology that I'm finding very interesting is that the oligarch's son is blaming the car for his poor racing. It's like his vantage point financially is, it's not my problem, it's the tool's problem. And he continually is at, at odds with the principal who is uh, the leader of that team. And he's saying, look, I don't know what you're doing to Schumacher's car, but I, we need to switch the cars. And they're like, but it's the exact same car. See, it's like his psychology is, it's not because I'm driving poor, it's because the things around me are not being supported as they should be supported. Oh, and that's it's like, interesting. yeah, it's okay, very- I see the connection you're making now. I was so, like, this is such a weird, like, <laughs> tangent. Yeah, it. It, but like with, in regards to Heli, Okay, she's a point of privilege. She's born into privilege. Her vantage point and how she operates is she's the head of this lumen. She's the head of lumen exterior to everything that's going on. And her vantage point being at that table, she can essentially be very, she's very big and very, I don't want to say loud, but... Mm -hmm she, people move around her, not vice versa. Mm -hmm. And I think that being in that world and having that psychology and that is persistent, being in that stance, bring, when you introduce her into this environment, the ground floor is essentially that perspective, that psychology of like, yeah, I'm not gonna do this. And, mm. and people there are like, no, you actually, you have to do this. No, I'm not going to do this. And she's mashing up against what is going on in Lumen at such an exponential rate compared to everybody else. It's true. It's, it's absolutely, she could, she can, without the, let's say, uh, like curtailing some crazy situation, she is at like a, an 11 out of 10 trying to get out of what's going on. 
And it is very interesting in that dichotomy between the two personalities, between the two, the innie and the outie. Yeah, because she's ne she never wanted to be a part of the environment at all as soon as she got there. She's always yeah. went out. She punched Mark, or she did she hit Mark in the face right out of the gates? Like, yeah, basically. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, her character is very interesting. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like I, I find, and I guess we could probably look into, so I would say John, sorry, John, who plays Irving, John Turing? Turturro. Turturro. John Turturro. John Turturro. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Super interesting fellow as well. He was in uh, Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. That was my first introduction to him way back in the day. Incredible movie. We should probably do that movie. But his character is very much so by the rules. And very much when you look at the the counter swing, I would say, so he's sort of any verse Audi. So he's very by the rules. He's very by the doctrine. He's very by the manual. He's very by the lore. He's very about the job. Yeah, he's like a devout follower. Yes. Yeah, he's of, a devout follower. Uh, Kier Egan. Yeah, yeah. And like the sort of like Lumen is almost like a religion there. Yeah. And they have the handbook, which is almost like a Bible. The like founders, the founders museum yes. as well yep. is very, I don't know. Yeah, it's like it very much worships. Even when Dylan gets his, I don't know, I can't remember what he did, but maybe he like reached a, um, reached a goal or something like that. And mm -hmm. he was to celebrate. He went and had got to eat breakfast or pancakes or waffles yeah he got waffles i think in mm -hmm. the in kirst egan's like replica bedroom <laughs> it was mm -hmm. like it's really weird like as if that would be a prize yeah but it's because the it's almost like it, i think the yeah the framing that maybe some viewers have to consider is the fact that the any doesn't have any preconceived notions it's like they have all the tools language skills to problem solve they have all all everything but they do not have the memory of anything mm. which is relating to their own personality it's like separate so therefore it's like they're they have to they are in a realm of almost like a blank canvas but there are some memories that seep through so one that i think is notable is mm -hmm. when mark s goes to see miss casey for a wellness check and she gives him a lump of clay and asks him to build something. He makes a tree. Mm -hmm. And I don't if you remember, his wife died at a tree. That's what that was. Oh. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, so the bits of their life do seep through and vice versa. Mm -hmm. As we already discussed, Irving has his paintings of the elevator to the testing chamber, which mm -hmm. is where they put Miss Casey away oh, that makes it so much more impactful oh my god sorry i'm gonna stop talking yeah no it's okay it's okay i like that you're like getting excited and also irving's interest in the art around the building mm -hmm. is maybe explained by the fact that in real life he paints One and i don't painting. know if you remember irving had that dream with the black paint oozing. yes and then granted this is not like his life sleep seeping through but i think he noticed black paint under his fingernails when he was at the office as well but, you, but at that point like you don't realize what that is yes it's almost like you think that it's somehow his psychological relationship it was almost like a trigger almost like mm. how russ cole in true detective has like these seizures where it's almost like this daydream state that he starts to form into reality but it's all like a trip 
it's like being on mushrooms, but you're awake and aware of what's going on, but there's no way that you can stop what's taking place. Yeah, that was, yeah. And that was weird too, because I was, it's very, I would say ominous mm. in context to, especially in context of the work that they're doing, because they're saying, you just have to outline the scary numbers. What is that? Yeah, like they should make you like they're scary or they should make you feel uncomfortable or something yeah. along those lines. Yeah, and it's always these uncomfortable numerical digits. It's not, oh, just like circle the digits that make you feel something. Yeah. It's, you, may, you have to get rid of the uncomfortable ones. And I wonder if, so it makes me wonder if, so there's this uh, sci-fi movie. Uh, or book, sorry. And it's a story about, oh, is it called Ender's Game? I think something like that. Oh, this. I know Ender's Game. Yeah. Yes. What about it? So Ender's Game where this kid is in this world of, oh, put him under these, let's say, uh, these VR simulations, battle yeah. simulations that he's continuing. Okay, cool. In this case, you'd sacrifice this team and then you'd use this team. And then he's just, he's the general of all of these battles all these battles that have to be fought in a certain sequence and in a based on i would say an accumulation of multiple strategic plans to capsize and eventually win and it's almost like it's almost it's is the epitome of the highest level of chess you could maybe frame and I feel like maybe he doesn't know the, in that book, he doesn't know the consequences of what he's doing. And he just goes on and he's continuing to win these battles and hey, here's another game, win these battles. But then what turns out is that he's actually doing, he's actually the general of the Earth's army against an alien species to win. And it was like an extinction war and he wins it, but he doesn't have any relationship or, or weight behind mm. it. Instead of him just thinking that I'm playing another game that I must win. It's like his mm. framing is like, I must win at every, at any cost. The whole point of everything is to win. And he doesn't have any relationship to the knowing that there's billions of people at his fingertips that he's controlling and doing these things to, to win. And I feel like maybe the technology in severance is that let's well, say like they're simulation that is actually having like real world. Yeah. Let's say that they're drone strikes, like for oh. layman's terms, let's say that they are looking at surveillance video that is somehow put through a filter that they're fighting, let's say, a war abroad, and the uncomfortable things that they're like, oh, this is acting very weird, is like interpreted surveillance video, where they have to circle these into, oh, they're hiding over here. So circle these, circle these markings, and essentially that will, they will send out a drone strike and kill those people. It makes me think of some of the, the footage that you see during the military where it's, oh, it's like this civilian town. And then they're like, okay, cool. These people are starting to regroup. We need to like essentially drone strike them to get rid of them, which is very dark. And it makes me think that, pardon me, sorry. It makes me think that 
the reason why it's stylized in the way that it is because what they're doing is removing the put putting a filter over what they're actually doing mm. which is like doing something very dangerous and and harmful but because it's just a bunch of numbers they don't really matter it doesn't matter to them they're just like oh okay these weird numbers here and they're just like drone striking like people that are like lumen could be like an outsource military thing that on one hand is for people that have difficulty maybe they're like i don't know if i want to go on living or something and gives them a job that this person would just fall off the rails in reality based on their situation so we need to give them this job that is that no person if they knew what they were doing would take because it's very detrimental depending on on the person's psychology so maybe they see it as it's a win because this person is disposable and mentally they're disposable so therefore we can get them to do this job and they go back to their like whatever life they can subsist and continue to show up here and and do this job but it's they would essentially self-terminate if they didn't have lumen so it's they're getting employees for free because these employees would kill themselves if they if they didn't have lumen and it's interesting because like oh interesting but the people get paid they do yeah for sure but like military people get paid oh i see okay i see what you're saying but then again that the thing that they have to read i'm very sorry for the actions that i've committed or oh that thing yeah yeah the break room That's like brainwashing yeah. oh god okay can we just talk what a genius name break room is yeah it is <laughs> it is yeah yeah because it's a break room no but it's to break you room yeah no it's so good yeah i really i really it's 2020s i would say hit of the year so far i think that it's brilliant i think that it's very well written i think that it's very well acted yeah having christopher walken <laughs> in it is fantastic oh, god oh god i love burton irving <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah totally i mean their yeah their relationship and the oddities in which you know that is and yeah yeah, it's so interesting. It's almost like office politics to a degree, but then on steroids and then through a filter that rejigs things. Yeah, I think it makes you, th it's very visceral in the sense of certain personalities that you're butting up against. Uh, Milchek, because for him, I was like, man, this guy's, he's an office employee kind of dude. But it's, he's also the, the person that is, what is it now? The disciplinarian. And same with mm. Harmony, Coble, Patricia Arquette, Patricia Arquette's character, who I didn't know she was a activist and, and she's done like a lot of, you know, really impactful work outside of film. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I just came across that, but yeah, I really think that how they came about bringing seven severance to the forefront with the ideas that were involved, it's very high level and it's almost, it will, it is media that I really enjoy that I, yeah, it, it, I don't know if it, it's a filter in context to the things that I like, but I mm. think that, yeah, it's very interesting when you're dealing with thrillers, mystery thrillers. Yeah. And I guess the technology that being sci-fi, but also I would say 
I've seen a lot of yeah different like uh, medium that try to work within the realms of memory, and memory using that is mm-hmm. messy. And I think when it's That's not true. done correctly, your the viewer is just eh, you're always in this framing of they wrote it for the story, but it's so full of holes when it comes to breaking down what was presented when you're dealing with memory it's like when does the person remember when does this person not remember i remember this movie done back in the day or a context of the protagonist is this good guy and they're going through this whole story of going up against something and then they start getting back their memories and then you realize that they're not actually a good person they're actually the bad guy. It's like Jason Bourne, the Resident Evil, I think the first movie. It's always this aspect of a memory and does it actually work? Mind you, those two are done relatively okay, but you can see it as almost like this, I would say, crutch to make interest in a story. But this one, the memory is, there's a separation. There's no memory. There's no cross-pollination between the two worlds. And that's what is interesting is like you can see the character trying to put together pieces but then you also have the other character trying to put together pieces on the other side of that wall and then they've also two different personality types i guess you could look at it as enforced and uh, let's say regulated stable schizophrenia between the two personality types Indian and Audi, but seeing them try to be a detective to the situation that they're in is really cool. I wonder though if their personality types are different. No, but the information that they have is. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. Maybe that's like their personality given the current situation. But then there's also they're like children, right? The Innies. Yeah. They have no memories. Like they they know like how to walk and stuff. Like their memories and that far gone, but they don't remember things like. I don't know. Like, they don't know what a map of the U.S. looks like or like they and they didn't even seem to know that like other books could exist when they find Mark's brother-in-law's book. God, okay, first of all, I love that. (laughs) That this like terrible book and uh, and they just love it. They're just like, yeah, your book saved my life. But that's it. It's like the first piece of literature that they've read that isn't the, the handbook, the company handbook. Yep. That's how sterile the environment is of ideas. It's like where anything that is introduced into that environment becomes almost like a new Bible based on their emotional makeup. And also, they have such an absence of what's going on in context of the things that they're doing that they're trying to, again, human beings making meaning from the circumstance that they're in. Meaning-making machines, that is everything that almost like epitomizes human beings. And that's why we love stories so much. That's why they're so impactful because story and trying to find an understanding through that, it has been such a massive part of the psychology and development of humanity, not to get too far reaching, but it is very much so like the backbone of what makes humanity tick to a degree. Yeah. So I guess the synopsis of Severance. Mark leads a team of office workers 
whose memories have been surgically divided between their work, their work and personal lives. When a mysterious colleague appears outside of work, it begins a journey to discover the truth about their jobs. Yeah, to a degree, it's if you're in a field, there's many fields out there that you can't talk to the common person about the things you do, whether for legal reasons or far greater reasons, whatever your job may be. But yeah, it, this is an interesting take upon that kind of divide of those two worlds to, to the extreme. Yeah, such, I can't, yeah, very taken aback. If you could pick a narrative, What's the most impactful, important one that you felt drove or is driving the series Severance? I feel like obviously Mark S or Mark is our main character mm -hmm. and we're seeing this tale unfold from his point of view. But I think what ties everybody's narratives together is this sort of uprising that's happening within the uh, macro data refined microdata macrodata refinement division <laughs> so like it, it starts actually it almost starts with heli because she is unhappy from the very start and i think mm -hmm. that's maybe what sort of throws this sort of like little she sows the seeds of discontent in the department but then mark as you said his friend Petey showing up on the outside mm -hmm. and that starts to plant those seeds in Mark. Hey, wow, maybe this isn't great. Like maybe this isn't a good thing. And then Irving, his sort of story unfolds with him meeting Bert at the office mm -hmm. and the day that they decide that Bert will retire, which I wonder if it was a, a reaction. I think there's history there that we don't know about. Mm -hmm. Like maybe Bert and Irving worked together previously in a different department and they were transferred and their minds were wiped. I don't know. There just, there seems to be their attraction was so instant. And I wonder if their reaction to Bert and Irving's seeking each other out is because there's a historical knowledge there of something having happened between them before. So perhaps, yeah. So Bert, when they were like, you know what, we're just, we're going to retire Bert. Mm -hmm. We're just getting rid of him. That is what triggered Irving to turn against, honestly, like and, and for Irving, he was the most devout of them all. So his turning, it was very interesting to see what he held higher than Lumen itself. Mm -hmm. And then... For Dylan, it was seeing his son, but other than that, he didn't really have any issues until then. He was just kind of, he's that guy who's just, you know what, I just showed up and get paid and I'm happy with that. But mm -hmm. you know that guy, everybody kind of knows that guy. So yeah, so I think though that all of those narratives are all tied together into this, I guess they all merge together in this sort of rebellion or uprising. I don't even know if it's a rebellion, but like they all want to see their life on the outside. I don't know what their goal is after seeing that. I don't know what the end goal is for that department yet, mm -hmm. but it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I definitely, yeah, I share your uh, perspective. Would you say that it is rebellion or would you say that it is curiosity? Ooh, maybe curiosity is a better term for it because like i said i don't know what their end goal is like, i guess i know irving's his is to find bert in mm -hmm. real life because yeah by retiring bert they're essentially killing him yeah essentially yeah, yeah. his uh, personality won't be there yeah i would i think i am definitely along the same lines of your thinking i would reframe 
the rebellion to the wanting to know, but then not giving answers to mm. what is going on. And that curiosity, when it is not, when you're given, let's say, some type of other thing instead of the answer, like they want to, it's almost like patriotism, where it's, oh, you need to be very allegiant to the founder, the creator, the overseer of Lumen, who gives us wonderful things that there's a very far-reaching impact. You're helping humanity. But it's like, with what am I helping humanity with? And when you don't have those questions answered, because there is an underlying wanting to know and have make meaning of what you're involved with, maybe even based off cultural things. Even I would say, I'm not sure if they're aware of culture, of their culture being in that place of Lumen. Maybe this is high bar when it comes to how it was presented, but maybe if you're somewhat aware of like the things that are culturally things that have value culturally, then therefore when they're telling them, oh, your person is kind, your person is this, you're stressing all the good parts about who they are when they're in the, what is it now? Not break room, in the wellness, like wellness station, but they're never really given any, what am I doing here? What are we doing? And the, it's never answered. So therefore what you're seeing is the absence and them trying to fill what the absence of that gap is based off the things that they're finding or maybe even making up through a subconscious kind of means. And yeah, they don't even know. They're like, oh no, we think it's like a waterbed. We think that they're, we're doing some things for underwater. Like they have no idea yeah, what they they're don't doing. Know. Yeah. And I think that being in, in that environment and having some of those tools, even though you're very childlike, you still want to know kids are very much inquisitive in, but why? Yeah, it's you know, true. They'll, they'll, they'll keep asking to, to want to know, to understand. But yet when you create an absence of understanding and you fill it with patriotism, you're then you're no longer questioning the things that let's say your government is doing it. You're just falling in line with be happy because your our country is this and hmm. you should just accept that that's what our country is. And I feel like it's that type of thinking, which is very, I think that type of thinking is extraordinarily dangerous because yeah, it is very, what is that type of thinking where it's very cyclical? You don't question nothing on the outside challenges, the sort of resolve of your understanding of your patriotism. You're just like, I am this through and through, but then if the actions of, if the pillars of what you say your country is about over cross over what you feel made your country great, but you're still a patriot, that is, that's definitely uh, like a cognitive dissonance. Yes. Yeah. Like a cognitive dissonance. Yeah. So it's, oh, what made our country great was we were generous. We were kind. We were, we helped people when they needed it. We're strong. We're built on hard work. We're doing all these things, but then it's your country is at war with countries that can't defend themselves and they go in, they take what they want and do all these sort of things that 
well, you're like, I don't know, it's just my country. Mm. But then it's the framing is like, what if the shoe's on the other foot? Clearly, you wouldn't want to be treated in such a manner, such a fashion, having things taken away from you. And yeah, the I think the empathetic, the the empathy of which is a, a higher level, I would say, higher level functioning person has can start to reason that, you know what, this isn't really, this doesn't hold true importance to what we're about. And every, I think every country is all, everybody's, they're obsessed with jockeying for power. Mm. But then what in reality is everybody is dependent upon everybody. It is an ecosystem of dependence. And when someone forgets that ecosystem of dependence and they're like, I'm the one or this framing of I can just take and do what I want and I don't have to care about what other people are doing. I don't think that works anywhere mm. like within a civilized society because eventually it's like the things that this person says that, oh, this is what people value the most. Or, you know, I'm going too far on a branch there. I just think that it becomes very difficult. And I think that when there's this level of allegiance to something within this, within severance, they're just trying to replace the intuitive question seekers that are empathetic to why we're doing certain things. Doing. So you should just believe mm. because of this is what you should believe. But again, oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But yeah, going back to your point, it is curiosity. They're the questions that they're asking aren't being met within reason. But I think it's there's a duality there as well because of the ramifications of those questions on those people. Yeah. Okay. That's all I have to... That's okay. All right. All yeah. right. Question two. Who do you think the audience is for Severance? I hope that the audience for Severance is the audience that listens to podcasts like ours. We're playable. I think, um, honestly, like, th honestly, through and through, I'm like, I want severances because i think this is so smart i think that ben stiller you son of a bitch <laughs> but it's it's very it's the same thing the things that we want to want to talk about here they're very thought-provoking they're very engaging they're very mm -hmm. interesting and i feel that people who are of that ilk I, those are very interesting conversations and ideas that come about and i think yeah somebody who can enjoy obviously a thriller enjoy sci-fi but enjoy great fantastic storytelling that can enjoy really great acting really inquisitive and intuitive interesting i would say expressions that evoke greater conversations based on what is presented i would say people that are open-minded people that are also intelligent and people that really enjoy a great story. But if there's, it's not overbearing sci-fi. It's not like completely, I guess, humdrum office space kind of boredom, but they've really carved out this show in using elements that in isolation of themselves become very formulaic and or not formulaic, I would say just are dry. Who wants to watch Hey, how you doing, Steve? I'm doing good. Are you working on package seven? Yep, working on package seven. Cool. It's like nobody, but yet that's what's going on. But yet then you get to see the psychology of, do you know what package seven is? Nah, I have no clue, man. Crazy. Mm. 
So what happened to whatever? It's like they're allowed to have discourse. They're allowed to be humans and talk. And there's ramifications for that. Like then if it's, are you going to make a bunch of cubicles where it's like nobody talks? Then I think it's almost like this aspect of if there's no social interaction, what do these people turn into? It begins to turn I into mean, like an insane I'm not going to lie. Know? I'm not going to lie. I feel like work from home is bringing us to that. But that's just me. I yeah, I like your answer though. The that the audience, you hope that the audience would be the same as ours. You're right. Mm -hmm. It it is very thought provoking. Like I I wonder could anybody just watch this and take it at face value? I'm I'm not sure. It just it asks mm -hmm. too many questions that mm -hmm. crave answers. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Did you want to elaborate on that or I rambled on? <laughs> That's okay. No, I feel pretty good with that answer. I guess it would be people who like sci-fi, people who like puzzles. If I think about it from a gaming perspective, like I don't, th this game wouldn't be action oriented. It would definitely mm -hmm. be a game that, I don't know, maybe like a David Cage game, like just something that is very much about solving the mystery of what's mm -hmm. happening. What features in the show presented themselves in a way that you felt if you took that and put it into a game would be very compelling, would be very interesting. I thought about this. I know games have done this before and that's where you have split story where mm -hmm. things that one character is doing. And, and in this case, the character I'd be talking about is Mark S or whoever your severed avatar would be. Like maybe the story doesn't have to be from the point of view of Mark S. However, that being said, I do the dead spouse angle. I think that is like such an interesting path to follow. But so perhaps there's this way that basically you're trying to bring together two the same character but let's say two facets of the same character that have no idea about what the other character is doing and how do you do that what's mm -hmm. how do you bring those two together so in the lexington letters that is the sort of the additional material that uh, accompanies severance the little ebook the character in that has glimpses of her outies like knowledge so there's a secret code that the audi had as a child and the innie can remember it and starts to use it we've discussed about how irving has glimpses of when he's painting when his audi is painting he's painting the elevator that leads to the testing facility where miss casey goes mark has memories like when he saw miss casey he has memories of the tree. He made the tree out of clay. And Miss Casey, when she's spending time with Mark, she's, this is the best day. This is the best day of my life. I think oh, at man. one point she said, I know. And then knowing after the fact, oh, so heartbreaking. So how do you get that? How do you get those little glimpses that can help you solve the mystery or the puzzle that you're trying to solve? And then another question is, how do you... Because the player will have that meta knowledge because we see both aspects happening. Mm -hmm. So you could do, it could be a neat, could be a neat multiplayer game mm -hmm. where, so I played this game called We Were Here and the way it works is one person is inside of this castle solving these puzzles and the other person 
is in a different place solving puzzles. So depending on the puzzle that the person solves in the castle, they will direct the person who's outside of the castle for example, mm -hmm. and you're basically both trying to escape. And, and there's this idea in the game that you have a walkie-talkie. However, in real life, we're just using Discord. Yeah, it's called We Were Here. And so maybe there could be this neat aspect, like you're not communicating with each other. Almost like Journey. You know how Journey is multiplayer, mm, but you actually yeah. can't communicate with one another. That might be a really neat aspect to have in this where you're each, you're randomly assigned either the innie or the outie, and you're playing with someone else, but perhaps that you can't communicate with, which could be, that could either be really cool or really frustrating. So I thought about maybe something like that or something like Day of the Tentacle where you can swap between the two and depending on how you solve certain puzzles in real life or in your outie life, you can influence aspects of your innie life. Like maybe you do write a code or something mm -hmm. like along those lines and you could signify to your Audi. So that could be something cool as well. That could be a solo player experience. Maybe we offer both options. The problem is once you solve the puzzle, how do you keep people going? Yeah. Yeah. It's, is that the objective though? Or is it, yeah, it, it depends on, I guess the objective of the game, mm. because if it's, there's a lot of puzzle games out there, but I think what makes it really interesting is the impact of the ramifications of the puzzle, which is the information that they know or the inf the information that you know as the viewer, but it's like, how do you set that up? So yeah. that's off, no? that, yeah. what is it called? The uh, dramatic irony when the yeah. viewer knows more than the uh, player on stage. <laughs> so yeah, how do you set that up in a game? So either you just set it up through the narrative and <laughs> you use the player's knowledge to push the story ahead. <laughs> or like I said, you have this sort of like multiplayer cooperative, but your partner could be, yeah, like a secret to you. I think, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, a secret to you how. I'm just like curious. you don't you can't communicate with each other and oh, okay, okay. it could be anybody but that could be very frustrating if somebody's not good at puzzles or yeah, yeah the rallying work. point it's but almost like thinking, like i said like journey you have this mm -hmm. multiplayer aspect mm -hmm. that is yeah you can't speak with that person other than to i don't know blurred out little symbols at mm -hmm. that. and what was interesting is when you get to the end of journey and it tells you everyone you've partnered up with and for some reason, like the whole time I thought I was with the same person, but it was actually like 10 different people. Oh, or wow. Like that's that. cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's really neat. It's I really don't know. Cool. Yeah. Oh, have you never played Journey? I have played Journey. Yes. Oh, you I have? Okay. Completed Journey though. I oh, you should complete Journey. It's one afternoon. <laughs> I wonder if anybody's still playing Journey. Like, I wonder if you oh, went in sure. it. And so that's another thing is if you don't have enough people playing multiplayer, how do you, what do you do? Yeah. Maybe that doesn't work. <laughs> Maybe that idea should get thrown out and it's just more like a single player puzzle experience. And yeah, you just, you have to use that sort of meta knowledge mm -hmm. as part of a gameplay element. Yeah. I, I think the, I guess the avenue of mystery and the story of almost like a, not verbatim, but like a whodunit, like a uh, situation is always interesting because people are trying to 
answer what the I get yeah they're trying to answer the solve the problem to completing the story but then mm. if there's like that twist that is the emotional impact based on let's say how your uh, character is introduced what is the backstory what is their impact on the story and mm. is it an interesting kind of twist which is yeah taken to in regards to, to what's going on in severance i guess the features that i would that I do find interesting and compelling are very similar to yours uh, that I would say the in almost inheriting of a character mm. that you have to that you're separated from and I think depending on what the rally point is that can make or break an experience because if, if somebody doesn't know the the objective or rally point of what's going on yeah then it's like you have oh this person's just playing their own game is the objective compelling based on what we're doing and then all the game i guess mechanics support that rally point to get to that objective so in this it's not action oriented i would say the one thing that i find interesting is the impact of choice. And I'm trying to rack my brain to think of a different example or of various examples. And there's one game that came to mind, which was, it is a zombie game, State of Decay. There we go. Oh yeah, I've never played State of Decay. I don't know anything about it. So back from edit, the one game that I was racking my brain for was Oh my goodness, is the coffee not strong this morning? Uh, State of Decay. Yeah. So State of Decay, what you do in that game is you have a team which has an objective, which is to survive, and you are thrust into this world which is being overrun by zombies or whatever enemy that you have, but you have uh, time parameters to... You can play as long as you want, mm -hmm. but then... If you're co-op with somebody, or if you step away from this game for a period of time, it starts to sim itself, which means, oh. yeah, like you can come back and you could be like, oh, where's my character that I was playing as? They died. And somebody else is the leader of the group now. And then it's what happened during that time that this took place. And it's like, fill you in. maybe there was like a raid by another team. So it's not multiplayer? It, it is multiplayer. Oh, okay. Um, so is it kind of like Ark or Rust? It is. I I think so to a degree, yeah. Like, I guess the same idea, but it's from third person. But it's like mm. when you leave, things happen to your base while you're out. It has its own mode. Is it like AI doing it? Or is it like other players in the game keep playing it? and It is one or... part players. If you're co-op with somebody, they can take control of their oh, character, okay. I think, in your group. And, but then it's also AI. So let's oh, say okay. you leave the game and it, it, continu it continually evolves and grows and does whatever it does. And to see that taken to the next degree where let's say if it's seasonal and then each season has like its own objectives, like you know, we got to stay warm, we got to collect wood, but collecting wood can be loud. It's like you could have different objective-based ways of trying to survive a situation. But I like the fact that the world continues after you've turned it off. I think that's interesting because it's like a living and breathing world. And if you leave and then come back and it's been like a year, how much 
will it have changed? Will everybody be gone or will it have, will that, will it grow? Will you have much more when you come back? And I think that is interesting because almost like that level up of, oh my God, my base is different. Oh, my players are different, or maybe they're the same, or everybody's in really tough shape gives the player a little bit more, I would say, almost like a directive to, okay, I got to do this, or maybe I can explore more in this world, but depending on the world development, depending on how well the world has been developed. Are we ready for the next question then? Let's do it. All right. I think it's me. Then given that, how would you empower the player? How would I empower the player? I think that based on it being severance, I think that you would have to find a way to get information, whatever information that you could, you have to get both sides talking somehow. I think that's, I think that is how you empower the player, whether it's like that, the story that I sent you, the handbook where you're developing an anagram or through some sort of subconscious means. Or let's say you develop a way of communicating from inside there to the exterior you. Because if it's it's in a way, it's yeah, it's a depending on what the directive is or overarching goal of what's been outlined within the story. Mm. Let's say there's let's say if the person inside stays in there too long, they could yeah, it'd be crazy if the person wigs out and they kill themselves, which then kills you. Or the person inside gets in trouble, but then like that, oh man, I'm walking with a limp today. I'm really not doing well like the next day. And it's what's going on? What's happening to me? Where? So, what could be interesting is I, I did wonder like if you would be playing both sides concurrently or if you are like it starts and you're the any and mm -hmm. you only see the point of view of the innie. You just, you go into the elevator and then you like wake back up back in the elevator again, coming mm -hmm. to work. And you are trying to solve the mystery from the point, if the innie was the main character and you're trying to learn about your Audi and communicate with your Audi. And maybe there's different like paths to communicate. Mm -hmm. Like maybe it's up to the player to figure out what just to find a path mm -hmm. uh, to communicate with the Audi. And you're right. Maybe there is something that happens. Like, I don't know, you, you injure yourself and you're just like, oh my God, where did this come from? What's happening to me? That could I be think, interesting. Yeah. Cause I think the one maybe difficulty with that is, is that from a game player standpoint, how I would view and obviously take it or take my perspective mm. with whatever, I almost feel like to have that unveil you would need to have you you would need to not know the exterior you or the interior you it's almost take it or leave it yeah and that's what i'm saying is you wouldn't even see you don't know anything about your exterior use life and i think that's a way to get around the sort of meta knowledge that the player could have and then maybe eventually down the line like maybe chapter two you play from the point of view of the audi like maybe you're left on a cliffhanger with the any and then you become the Audi and you start to play through the mystery as the Audi <laughs> and the things that you did as an any start like seeping into your Audi's life. Like you start getting the code and like this, basically the story continues as the Audi. And then maybe chapter three is when you start playing both. You've sufficiently solved the mystery enough that you can now merge the two storylines. That Yeah, that is, 
Yeah, that's true. I guess it would, yeah, I'd definitely be trying to find a, a strong, I guess, like, uh, I'm just thinking from a, a story point, it not being like maybe severance, but like the unveil, I think is the one thing in my eyes is the, how do you set up the unveil? How do you begin to, that's the thing where it's like when you can have a player experience that, because I feel like it would be such a visceral feeling if you were from the point of view of say heli for example and you find out yeah. that you're an character but i also like the uh, unveiling of the dead wife <laughs> yeah but I, I yeah i that whole avenue that yeah he's been talking to his dead wife and quote unquote maybe dead or we, we don't know who his wife is could be like they've never touched but it could be like some sort of tech that is like a hologram or something like this i don't know maybe she has to go back to charge or maybe it's nobody um, i i don't I, know yeah. yeah i guess to that point i think the town belongs to lumen because if you mm -hmm. remember when irving was looking at the map of the town to find where bert lived the town is called kier which is the name of the lumen founder mm. so i think the lumen facility is there and i think the town is like lumen housing and i think everything belongs to lumen so imagine this woman gets into an accident is on the brink of death and they're like we could use this and they just take her and she's yeah. not dead but they sever her and not only do they sever her like they make it so that only her innie exists yeah that's crazy oh my god but it, yeah so it's, and she says that she's only awake for a half hour at a time only during yeah. the wellness only during the sessions yeah 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 like, i yeah i guess that would that definitely would make sense because then it's okay are these crimes against you know humanity but then it's also lumen what is lumen doing in, in its own objective externally why is it i'd say cultish and so overbroodingly powerful clearly they're doing something right mm -hmm. but it's almost like the legality of what they've embarked on is has not been i guess broken or they found a loophole yeah i just feel yeah some seeding of as you say communication between the innie and the Audi. i think it, it almost opens up to an espionage genre as well what are you trying to do how did because you you would also have to be in a point of how did they take advantage of me because i feel like mm -hmm. that was the case because when you look at mark his grief it was like he was an, an educator of a high level, but because of what he went through, it really did something to him where he could not, it's almost like he could not do what he was doing because the memory was just destroying his real life. He couldn't, it's almost like being, a, if you could take a drug addict and then just with a switch, make them not want drugs anymore but then that switch only lasts eight hours and then for the rest of the time that drug addict has to be within that aspect of okay i really want drugs but i know that they're not that good i can't take a lot if i do take it it's i'm addicted to that level of grief and sorrow and it's not to diminish the impact of what he's going through i'm just trying to find a, a strong simile to something else, but then, okay, cool. We've gone almost like emotionally, we've retread this loop to a very small amount, but then I can work this job, which then essentially I do this job, but it keeps me completely not focused on wanting to either think about that pain, 
or do those that type of drug or something like this? Yeah, I, man, I feel like, yeah, verbatim, from my perspective, it's just like, I want to know because of where we are, I want to know what Lumen's all about. And I feel like until you find out that backstory, which I think as the stacking of a uh, level of importance of kind of what's taking place, it could make or break maybe season two of that, but. And, oh, I'm, yeah, yeah I have no idea if they'll wipe their memories or who knows, oh. but imagine playing the game. You start the game as the innie and you develop these relationships with your innie counterparts and you get a sort of sense of fear of like the break room, for example. But then as you play as your Audi, imagine like running into your any counterparts, but the player in game has no idea who those people are, but you as a player, you do. And I think that could build a sense of, that could build a sense of tension. Could you say that again? Okay, so the any, so say you play chapter one as your any. And you learn to, you learn, you, you develop relationships with your coworkers. You start to learn how to play the game within the ecosystem. You develop a fear of the break room. You learn the terms. You get a sense of that lumen lore. Mm -hmm. And then chapter two, you play as your Audi and say you like run into your any coworkers. But now your player, the player at that point, the Audi doesn't know who those people are, but you as the player do. I think that could create some interesting tension. So it'd be like the, it's almost like you're seeing the narrative structure from an Audi towards, yeah, somebody who's like an innie. And it's almost like you would have to communicate with them like you didn't know them uh, or. Yeah, you would communicate to them as if you didn't know them at that point. Mm -hmm. And, but you do know them. But you do know mm -hmm. the player, the the physical, like you as a player, <laughs> you know who they are. But the player in game has no idea who they are. So your options for how you interact with them would reflect that. And I think mm -hmm. that could create some interesting tension. So, for mm -hmm. example, from the start of the series in Severance, Miss Cobell and Miss, what's her name? Felt. You know how in, in Lumen, her name is Miss Cobell. But then out on the outside, her name is Miss, oh no, Svetlig. Oh, like oh. Yeah, yeah, her, oh, yeah. Patricia Arquette. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and her, and, and there's tension created there through the dramatic irony, but there's a tension created there because you know that she is dangerous, right? <laughs> and Mark interact with her as she pretends to be this, I don't know, this like little, almost helpless hippie lady. And like you watch their interactions and you know that she's not, she, he's in danger. Family's <laughs> in danger in a sense. Maybe it's not like a physical danger, but it's not safe. <laughs> and you wonder why she's there. Like, why is she watching Mark? Why is she so positioned so closely to Mark are other Lumen employees being watched that we don't know about. So by doing that, by having your telling the innie story and developing a sort of relationship with the innie and then switching to the Audi, I think mm -hmm. you could get some of that dramatic tension that we got <laughs> in the series. But it, I think it's maybe not switching like back and forth so quickly so that you get time to, yeah, like I said, just get to know that character intimately. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, no, I definitely think that would be very interesting. Yeah, the fun factor of that is almost like the the rally point where's what's the story objective. I think if it's verbatim for what's going on to what's going on in severance. Yeah, I think it makes me think of the 
game or the game idea concept that we talked about on a much earlier podcast. The book was, oh, remember the book? It's like Midnight at the Library. Do you remember that? Oh, Midnight Library. Yeah. Midnight Library, yes. So it makes me think, I guess from a game standpoint, yeah, how to like empowering the player because you'd be dropped off almost like in an environment and you're forced to make sense of the environment so that you can relate or navigate through it in a way that wouldn't, you wouldn't draw too much attention to yourself. But also you'd have to get the earmarks of who's your sister? Is this our baby? Is this your baby? And oh, so you're thinking, okay, so wait, are you thinking like the any being in the environment? I was thinking that you take the place of the Audi and you do know all these, th like your Audi knows all these things and therefore know all these things, but you are, but you, the player are discovering them through the Audi. Yeah. It, it's, you're discovering, I think maybe sometime. Okay. So I guess it is when a player is in a circumstance that they have to navigate and they have to be on their toes, it is the little bits of information that they can gleam to keep that illusion of they are, they belong to this world, but knowing that they do not to that, I guess, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, so in the midnight library the when she was outed it would be because they found out that she or sorry yeah she that she wasn't who she says she was and then emotionally it's like she would get sent back to the library yes. whereas i feel that in severance maybe there's this thing of you are the any trying to get out but then you are doing, let's say, your objective is that you want to get out. Okay, this is coming clear to me. So your objective is that you want to get out, but then you have to get to this room, which then helps you stay aware longer when you're outside. And maybe it's, it's this aspect of how can you do the things at your job in a way that when you get access to that room, that you can keep that ticking clock for you being outside longer to get to know who you are. So maybe as the day comes to end, your like day closes and then it's, this is the next day. So you're, this is, and then it's like back in the office space. I'm looking at it like third person, you're doing all these things. Then you've, people are talking, what about this? And then you do these objectives. And then essentially when you're any, okay, it's like, we're going to do it now leaves instead of it waking up in obviously the any world it wakes up in the external world which you have no bearing of what's going you could wake up and be at like a club let's say and let's say you have a time limit of an hour if you're in this club what do i do what am i doing in this club because your only reference point is that you are in an office all the time so then you go you get this sort of burst of this you know real world there's this music everybody's dancing around you Again, third person, maybe something very much so like Hitman, like perspective. And then you have to figure out, okay, am I here with anybody? Maybe if people like talk to you and I would say you then have to find ways of talking to somebody or 
getting the read of the room. And if you get busted that, oh, you're not, you have to find almost like the most immediate route to get away till that clock stops. And then you're, then it's, you go back to your any form of what happened. So I was here and I was at this club, but then somebody started asking some questions that I couldn't quite answer. And then I tried to get away from them. And then they, it's almost like a Grand Theft Auto-esque where it's like people are becoming suspicious of you. And it's, you have to escape their suspicion of you by the means of whatever means you have to escape the situation if you screwed up. If you don't, and it's objective complete, you get more information based on who your Audi is, and then you can see who your innie is. So I think you never see the outside world. You never have that flip as you know you were discussing mm-hmm. earlier. Because I think if you just if you're just given the flip, the power of you being in that unveiled world for the first time is I think if you have to somehow make the objective of you have a ticking clock and you're in this place trying to solve what's going on before you before they flip that switch or before your comrade, it's yeah, you have to get your friend to win this objective maybe by doing some of his work without being seen so that he gets the party, the, what the hell is it now, a waffle party, and therefore he can leave you on for longer, but then he has to leave. It's, oh, instead of one hour, you have three hours, but then that has to be like built. Hmm. So by the first time you have 20 minutes or something like this of you like, oh, you woke up for some reason at home and then it's, you're going through almost like a Resident Evil where it's, you're looking at the pictures on the walls, you're looking at the fridge, you're looking downstairs, you're like looking within the immediate environment to figure out who you are and what you're doing. And then it's like, oh, 20 minutes is done. And then essentially it's, you're gone, but then you wake up at the office the next day. And yeah. then you talk to your friends like, oh man, yeah, I could only keep the switch on for 20 minutes because I could only get away for whatever. Oh, okay, cool. And then it's like your engagement with Tillman right? That's his name. Which guy? The Milt. Oh, sorry. Milchek. Yeah. Your engagement with Milchek is very uh, surface. You don't talk about anything too deep, but then it's if you fail objectives, then you see the counter. You go to this break room where you're, yeah, I guess where it's almost not like a torture room, but I would say, yeah, it causes your any so much like strife. However, they try to, I guess maybe write it to a degree because I think like reading a letter a whole bunch of times is not really like a thing. And I think from a game standpoint, it would become really punishing to the player to experience something like that. It's already a very objective base inside of this office. You're trying to do these tasks so that when you go, when you have the burst of going out to the real world to see what's going on in the real world and figure out what's the story and narration wise to who you are and what you're doing is almost like the, that joy, that interest where it's like the punishment. I don't know what the punishment would be. Let's say from a game standpoint, that would happen to your character. Like I'm thinking like Metal Gear Solid where it's, oh, when you fail an objective, you just have more spawned soldiers that come out that are like spying around an area. It's like Mm. things become much slower to do. Whereas if you gain trust, things become much easier to do so that you can do what you need to do again but then it's there would have to be a an ascension of like plot where it's oh they've really gained your trust but then it's oh we've been notified that they've been somehow getting into this room 
and to, to get out to the Audi. And then it's, you have to find how the innards of this office space works so that you can get more time externally to find out who you are and, and what took place, what happened to you. And then that could be the switch of like, you're out. And then it's, you come across like a, an album of this woman that is your wife or this person that it looks like, oh man, I have all these pictures of my wife or this woman that I'm with, because you have no clue who she is. And then you go back to the any world and then it's actually the counselor. And then it's, oh my God, we oh. were married. And it's like, oh, that's I cool. know yeah, you. Yeah. yeah, because then it's this person, because externally they're different than what you're experiencing internally. And then that's how you would establish the jump of back and forth by doing things internally, gaining trust, then not trying to get caught breaking that trust. And yeah, having that back and forth take place. And I think for that long-winded conversation there, sorry, yeah, like, I think in my brain that makes sense. And that's how you would empower the players. You'd have to complete those objectives so that the empowerment is external to the office of you exploring this environment, this world, and, and having these social engagements of finding out who you are and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. I think that uh, makes sense. All right. Next question. Who is it? Hold on. It's you. It's me? Okay. How would you develop this game to make it more inclusive? I think that the game depending how the story goes, I think you could make your, I think you could create your own player. I don't think the player needs to be anyone specifically. Perhaps if there's like a dead spouse element, you would also maybe have a moment where you are like trying to remember what your spouse looks like or something like that. And you could design them. Yeah. Or yeah, maybe you pick gender like maybe you have a conversation with someone and it's oh yeah do you have like maybe you don't design your spouse but yeah maybe you just pick the gender through the conversation with someone they might mm -hmm. ask you about your husband or your wife mm -hmm. and then you could it'll be like a pause and then it's yeah. is it a husband or wife and then you're like my wife yeah exactly yeah. but yeah so i think you could do inclusion that way so you could pick your gender your appearance your partner in that sense yeah i think that would be pretty good way to do that inclusion mm -hmm. in that regard and just yeah like making sure that it's like a diverse cast of characters yeah that's what i would do personally yeah yeah no i, I definitely would i think i'd share that sentiment as well when it comes to yeah keeping a story as meaningful based on you know, your like, yeah maybe choosing a gender neutral name so mm -hmm. that that way shepherd for example shepherd is shepherd whether it's a guy or a girl so maybe the name is chris or something mm -hmm. and depending on how inside they usually have a short form of their name like yes. heli r so maybe it's chris on the inside but then when you're outside it'll either be christopher or christina mm -hmm. or something like that and this is a sort of a, a side random note is what if oh man what if in the game it's i guess i'm just thinking from like a story aspect what if you find more mark s's but it's you it's like versions of you i think you i'm mean? just i think i'm just tying more into uh, if this was a game story like from a mystery standpoint and you find out that there's like uh three more mark s's and they're just different severanced versions of a previous you of other that could times be cool. lasted. like and how many like times can you be severed yeah 
And then it's because it is just that little upload that they inject in you, but then it could be like, maybe there's like data wipes with, oh no, we got to like completely wipe these memories. And each time you get busted, it's like a wipe where they're wiping like a definitive part of these other versions of you. But anyway, sorry, I'm just, I think I'm just going on some sort of ramble. Um, too excited. My brain's <laughs> boiling as you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with that sentiment as well in regards to inclusion. Okay. I think just making it anybody's story could make it great. Yeah. And impactful for sure. Absolutely. So you really, you are the character in a sense. Yeah. Um, All right. Next question. Yeah. A boss fight encounter. How do you see the staging style, like the atmosphere and, and tension within, let's say, a boss encounter? within severance so we don't know how this series ends because right now it's just the first season has just ended Mm -hmm. but i like the tension of you like at the end of the last episode of season one you have this very tense moment where they you know where you have a tense moment is it at the the baby the baby shower shower. oh we're spoiling it okay so i think that could be a really neat like the point when in the out emerge i suppose Mm -hmm. and you start to encounter as the resolution starts to unfold i don't Mm -hmm. think there'd be a boss battle in the traditional sense of a Mm -hmm. battle but definitely more a final resolution and maybe a very tense sequence with a lot of yeah just like you can create tension through like a simulation of like time running out or getting caught uh, having to hide like maybe mm-hmm. at that point you have to remember things that your innie said near the beginning or your outie like you have to basically fake your way through that could be mm-hmm. really interesting i think yeah it would be also interesting to see as let's say as you have more successful i guess from what i explained previously empowering the player more successful audi any to audi conversions that maybe you see story elements where it's like, oh man it's really weird i can't remember what happened from let's say five to eight o'clock two weeks ago and the audi version become starts becoming like paranoid am i losing my mind am i like Am I developing Alzheimer's or something like this? And it's, you could also leave behind dialogue. It's I'm your, would you communicate also, would you communicate with your Audi? If you're an innie, would you like try to leave a letter because you trust your ulterior version or is your ulterior version like Heli? But what, yeah, that's true. Like maybe you have no idea. So that could be cool if you were playing it only from the point of view of your innie. Mm-hmm. And then you get to that tense moment where you're, you have escaped. So maybe you never, oh, that could be cool. You never play as your Audi. You're only the innie. Yeah. And because- then you get out and you don't know. You don't know if your Audi is a good care person. about you. Yeah. Yeah. Because that, that it could also be like, yeah, if your Audi is like even a bad person, what do you do? And then what if you see, oh, I totally, I'm definitely going to fuck these people. Like you start seeing like really negative contexts of that are painted narratively that are in juxtaposition of you trying maybe what you think should happen. And maybe it is like a moral kind of thing. Do you think that this guy, do, would you try to essentially some do something to support that perspective? Or would you do something that is, would be negative to that perspective? Like, I just need to find that receipt. And Mm -hmm. then essentially it's, oh, do you like 
look through the garbage, find the receipt, do you keep it or do you burn it? And therefore, oh. it's like, then it's like you, that person, your Audi can't use that piece of evidence against something exterior that would be, or it's like maybe you, as an any, you see something that belongs within your environment as an any that is exterior to it because this person's getting maybe curious in another realm that your any could be like, no, you don't want to do that. And then essentially get rid of or augment the findings of what they experience. It's very much so like a detective to a degree. But then again, it's also, yeah, it's, yeah, I really like that idea. I really like, I'm not like tooting my, I hope I'm not like tooting my own heart. It just <laughs> That's okay, like you're excited. allowed to. Yeah. It just makes me like excited because I've never played a game like that, but mm. it's also very much so there are these elements of tension because it's like, there's real world problem solving that you would have to do and think on the fly before time would run out. And therefore, yeah, trying to find these other interesting social metrics based on your any version to get back to the outside world, which would be essentially like almost like visually it'd be like one is very bland. And then the other is just like these elaborate environments of things that are going on, which could be very cool. And it's almost like what we do as game players to a certain degree where it's like our everyday or just people every day, our life is like very not crazy, but then it's like you play these fantastical games, which are such a difference, which such a different visually to the everyday, which is the juxtaposition, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. So it's even like the, the world that you're going into as the Audi could be, if it's sci-fi, maybe it's like. They're going to a club, but it's neon sci-fi, like cyberpunk. Whoa. Like then the, even the player, you realize, man, I'm in the future here. But then it's, you go back to the any, and it's like 1970s any, but then it's like the juxtaposition visually is like cyberpunk where it's like people have the style and aesthetic and everything is just so over the top, but that's only in some areas, just giving you an indication that maybe like you're in a different time period because it's even though it's oh this game's like sci-fi but then what about it is sci-fi i don't see anything in this office space mm. and then it's all oh, flying cars what the hell oh you know, like and, you're thinking like going completely fictional it, it could be something like that i don't want to go it's weird because i know that one of the characters in this was in altered carbon the oh, okay the wife she was uh oh i never AC. i never saw that yeah, it's uh, don't recommend it. <laughs> oh, interesting. Oh. It's just like really weird how that genre went. It was, it's almost like it started with so much promise idea wise, but then the execution was just different than what I had anticipated. I thought it would be uh, much more interesting, but yeah. Anyways, that's just, I guess, an artistic framing that I saw. Yeah. The question we're on that boss fight. Yeah. We just finished, or I guess we're finishing boss fight and I think it's my turn. Um, ready. What DLC properties or like crossovers would you have? If any? Oh, I probably, I think DLCs would just be like more of an elaboration. I think it would be yeah. interesting to, because once you've nailed the what's going on, I, it would be cool to see the vantage points story-wise or even the inception of yeah maybe... i was thinking that too like a prequel like yeah. where like the founding of lumen or yeah or like maybe one of the other characters like maybe somebody with a little bit more power that mm -hmm. uh, or like maybe it would be something like seeing like heli 
that could be cool. Like you play like through as, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because it'd be like, and then to see almost like her narrative framing, I think she'd have to have a very, like when you're playing as that, it would have to be based on not the, your discovery and almost like trying to find a moralistic right or wrong. I think it would have to be like, this is who she is. Mm. And to essentially center the the story. So Helly would be like very, I assume she'd be very pro this. And, and then her any version would be very not pro this. Or maybe it's just, yeah, like they could play the historical context as well, where let's say you're in the same office, but then the any and Audi, let's say it's the, you're playing generations previous or maybe one of the first innies yeah. versus outies and then it's like your switch when you go to maybe the other world is very 1980s or something or it's mm. like a juxtaposition of setting because it's like it's an earlier rendition or it even could just be like a playing like maybe like playing through of just trying to find the backstory of what took place. Maybe it's like the mystery of why somebody would want to create something like this. And it could just be like, maybe there's no technology of like flipping of an innie and an outie. It's just trying to unveil the story and see how this idea came to be, which could be very interesting and, and see the backstory. Again, I think of Last of Us where Ellie and her relationship with her first kind of love and where that went and how she got bitten. And it's like all those things really cement her story more so and give support to her story more so in the the full game and they could have even little tells of certain things that's what such and such would say or maybe she's like saying a phrase of what her partner would say in the game but you didn't know where that phrase originated from until you see the origin of that that phrase and why the person said it and yeah it, that can definitely pull on heartstrings yeah to see the beginning of things yeah, um, I think so. I or yeah, just even just to satisfy our curiosity, like why does something like this even exist? Yeah, that's true. How do you I guess what types of DLC properties or crossovers would you help support me the narrative? I don't think crossovers. I don't think this is really the place for that. But yeah, I like I like I said, I like the idea of a prequel or like an early Lumen employee could be pretty cool. That would be really interesting. Or to be someone who's in power to do Milchek or to be Miss mm -hmm. Cobell or or like I said, even Heli, like it would have been neat to see her story as an upper executive and just like how the impact and the decision came around for her to sever things mm -hmm. like that could be pretty neat yeah i think that's yeah i think that's where i would that's what i would do yeah i think it would be cool to be like if you played i don't know why i keep calling him tillman that's very strange milchek Mil it'd be interesting if you had an expansion on milchek's what he does around the office and then you're playing you go back and you're playing the main game and then you're doing something and then the character be like, how do I even know this? It's like very fourth wall, but you'd know, only know it because you played the expansion and Milchek would, <laughs> it's Milchek's, the only way that you would know that if, is if you played it through Milchek's eyes. Yeah. Yeah. If you just saw some of the inner workings or got a glimpse of it, that could be pretty neat. Like after you've resolved whatever narrative 
you mm-hmm. were following. It could be cool if this was released in chapters. I don't know yeah. how that, I don't know what the drop off is like in episodic series. I'd be interested to see how many people play one versus how many people play the last one. I know, for example, that in game development, you want to make the start of your game better because the amount of people that actually make it to the end is so much less. <laughs> so a lot more effort is put into just the, the all aspects of the beginning of a game. So if we released it episodically, I wonder what that, yeah, like I said, just like what that drop off would look like. Yeah. Um, but it would be a neat way to have like little mini cliffhangers throughout the way that you get in a TV show. You know what? Um, we should play. We should play Revelations, Resident Evil Revelations too, because. They do actually, the Capcom experimented with that idea of releasing a game in chapters. Mm-hmm. And it is very interesting how they do end on cliffhangers um, oh. at the end of a chapter. And it really seeds the motive of the, you want to continue. So it's like, you want to get the next chapter. But I think from the game development standpoint of when you're creating the world, would you say there's more production emphasis on the reuse of assets like you you like develop because i guess for me from my perspective i guess there's a a hustle to find like the look and and vibe of things that that go on but then there's also a matching of this is the high bar that we did we have to match this we have to find like the recipe of how to Mm. recreate that look and then for to make the rest they kind of filling out of the environments and whatnot, you would then populate, try to find ways to reuse assets, to bring reuse to a high level. Yeah. Um, And I think that has to do with memory too, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. And just by the end, you're just like, oh, no, we have no memory. I guess we got to reuse these things. But then also, so like a thing that we can track, (laughs) sorry, everybody, is like, how long a person plays a game and when they log off and if they log back in these are metrics that we can get mm-hmm. so like through partnerships and, and stuff but a company knows when someone is if for example if you take part in a test they can see like at what point you stop playing and if you mm-hmm. came back to it and like how engaged you were i just i wonder in episodic games just yeah, when does that engagement stay throughout? Do they just beat the first chapter? Do they buy the mm-hmm. second chapter? Like you you need to have I think the cliffhangers are almost those are the incentive to come back to mm-hmm. it. Like YouTube to a degree mm-hmm. like when you're because there's a ton of metrics for like when you make oh, a absolutely. video, viewership, when do they click ahead? When do they stop? And there's all these I would say rules that some people try to develop content that fit those parameters, which it's even for social media images it's you can tell a narrative story which has oh this is a funny end to what took place and therefore the person will watch through the entire thing to get to the end and they're like oh that's why it's so funny or it's like when you're talking to somebody they change levels where it's like the camera zooms in it zooms out it's always changing the visual i guess framing and perspective of what's going on to make the video more interesting it's everybody's becoming more i would say media savvy to hold interest. And then it's the artistry of, is the, are, are you trying to, can you find that happens serendipitously, which is always what you'd want. Cause that's, oh, well, that's like the purest form of just you haphazardly 
or yeah, is that the right? Yeah, you stumbled across it. Oh, I just found that thing. And then it's like very easy to create media like that. Whereas the other sort of the ulterior is like very manufactured, very like really trying to find a, a funny thing and then present that as it being like unique or maybe having a very interesting perspective. I guess like very much like stand-up comedy where it's like you have these series of jokes but then it's like, depending on, is this the right joke for the time? There's all these kind of ulterior parameters, which make it hit or miss. But yeah, like I think, what is it? Yeah, it's interesting that the medium, there's just a medley of ways that you could gauge so that you're trying to create content that people consume and is much more engaging with them on that front and i think they ha i mean for steam games as well i think i guess there's aspects of like trophies did you platinum these games there's all these kind of metrics of that are used to hit those bars maybe that identify certain types of game player personalities yeah yeah did i ramble on? i rambled on too long eh? no you didn't no <laughs> dead totally mic <laughs> no you know what it is i forgot to unmute myself yeah no i sometimes when i'm like i just I like got up and went to my kitchen to pour more uh, coffee. And so I muted myself for a hot second and I forgot <laughs> to unmute myself, but I was listening the whole time. Yeah, now I've been caught. I've been caught. My secret. More coffee. No, he'll just go off and yeah. I'll. Uh... Okay, shall we move to the next question? Oh, yeah, because uh, we, were, we were just, we did, but we both went off on a tangent and that was my fault because I started talking about player engagement. Oh, it's good. And, but a DLC is part of that. DLC oh, is sure. a way to re-engage players. But I do also wonder, I know for myself, I am a huge drop-off point when it comes to DLC. If the like DLC, I never go back. If the DLC mm. isn't out when I start playing the game, oh. I'll, I'll never go back and play it. Oh, wow. Ever. That's interesting. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes I even buy the DLC, which is the sad part, because mm -hmm. I'm like, I love this game. I'm going to get the season pass. Mm -hmm. And then the DLC comes out and I should know better. I I will never touch it. Player exhaustion. Like you're just like, I'm done with this. I've did. But I have it. successfully completed episodic games like uh, Walking mm -hmm. Dead season one. I played that like every time a new episode came out, I was really excited and I would play oh, wow. the episode. And same thing with Life is Strange, the first one. Mm -hmm. The second one, though, I did have that drop off. I didn't mm. continue. I played like the first two chapters and then like never went back. So why was that? The... What do you feel like it was too samey? What was your perspective? Uh, on... I think I wasn't as interested in the story, I would say. There was something about the story about Life is Strange that was really interesting. I'm not saying the story in Life is Strange 2 isn't interesting, but maybe it just wasn't as appealing to me like it didn't have that same draw and I, mm -hmm. I keep trying to go back and play it and I keep dropping off at the same point but I am excited to play the third one which is out mm -hmm. on game pass so that's gonna happen soonish eventually so what I guess I'm curious yeah the third one looks really good like yeah uh, it does look really good the, but f what is the point in which the second one I'm just curious because I played the uh, second one uh, not all the way through I had to I guess finish it using YouTube didn't finish it either I think no. it's, I think it's I stop when when you go and you stay at your grandparents and there's a little boy next door who's the main character from Captain Spirit I think I finished that chapter and then so I think that's only the second chapter, but I, and then I usually like never go back. Oh, wow. Okay. It's just something, yeah, it's like a dead point in yeah. the game. Yeah. That's, it's tough because much like books, you want to find a way to pull the, it's almost like you have to seed objectives exterior to maybe the, 
main plot line that you'd be like, oh, okay, I'll just get through this and then I'll get to go. I'm thinking of like a driving sequence or something like Maybe this. Maybe it's a fatigue for that style, you know, uh, that too. That's... When Life is Strange came out, there was nothing like it. When Walking Dead season one came out, there was nothing like it. And maybe, yeah, maybe there's a bit of fatigue there. But it's interesting because Life is Strange 3, they moved away from that. They moved away from the episodic. They released the whole game at once. So that makes oh. me think that something wasn't working. And oh, they changed they it. But they're by no means a small studio anymore. And part of that could have been just like funding. Like, I, I wonder what the decision was to release it episodically. Yeah, I think it could be very much like what you're experiencing like hmm. you're just kind of because yeah if you feel like it's very also when you're designing something and you're just intentionally trying to create all these loops these hooks it can get a little bit like annoying because it's oh you develop it for this hook and i think the hook maybe works based on the genre where whereas life is strange it's very much so like a, a storyline expose of a, a surreal circumstance but the metrics are very real when it comes to the engagement and almost like uh, motive of those types of characters. And it's like coming of age, usually mm -hmm. like stories, but it's you're trying to create almost like an authentic dialogue with the player, but then you have these hooks and that can get really, ugh. it's like kind of campy where it's like, why do you got to put a hook there? Why don't you just like, give me, let's keep this moving. And that can sour people when it, when the engagement becomes almost like non-authentic that they're like, did you just hold it here? And there's even like lots of players where they're just like, if you release a game, release the whole thing. Unlike, let's say, I think Street Fighter, when they released it, they had the DLC on the disc and players wanted it. And it's, you have the D or, or maybe it's another game. Maybe it's not Street Fighter. I want to get in hot water or whatever, but it's like, <laughs> They had the DLC already on the disc, but it was like you have to pay for it to get the stuff that's already you've already designed for on the disc. It's, it can really set people off because it feels like that's disingenuous. And on top of the fact that if you're releasing a game that you they themselves know isn't complete based on their internal metrics, it can set people off completely <laughs> because it's like you're insulting them. And then uh, from another sort of perspective, I think Arc released DLC before it was even out of early access. Oh, wow. Yeah, which granted in early access, Ark was a pretty complete game. Like it was a pretty, uh, okay. it was a pretty, it was, yes, it was early access, but also it wasn't like, it's not like it was, you could play it, it as finished. a game. Like you didn't, yeah, it was pretty, pretty well finished, but it was people are like, what are you doing? Like finish your game, <laughs> finish yeah. the game. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Yeah, I got to read that backstory. Yeah. What art style do yeah. you feel would fit? <laughs> You know the opening of Severance? <laughs> it's so good! I wonder if that could be the art style. Like, there's something a little bit uncanny about that. Like, mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. it's almost like a Gary's Mod kind of yes. style. Which, I you'd have to do it. You'd have to do it in a way that shows that you're not, like, actually just making shit. <laughs> but that mm -hmm. you're actually, like, trying. To, it's like, you have to make it look purposeful. Mm -hmm. The yes. style shouldn't look like because there was technical constraints or something, it should look like very purposeful. But there's something about that style that just, it reads like the sort of, uh, yeah, the uncanniness of it adds to the uncanniness of the, the, the whole, like, the story and the, yeah. So that's, yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, it does set like a, a stylistic tone, which is something that you want to be 
consistent because then it's you're not introducing elements that could draw people off in different directions. Now, I, I, the entrance of it is, oh, it's so crazy. Like just all the, I mean, it shows Oh, you would far... know even better than me, like just mm -hmm. if that is a, like really well done or if it's or not. The aesthetic of what yeah. they did Yeah, like I said, it's, it's uncanny uh, mm -hmm. because they went for that realism that is. And having that kind of green hue that's over top of stuff, it is a subtle kind of nudge that people can it's almost yeah just like an experience kind of thing whereas yeah you have this very when you're in the real world nothing it's things are messier you could have these art directed cues of things are never aligned whereas so it's like posters when they're hung crooked when there's glasses none of the glasses are aligned one will be tipped over you you could actually art direct it so that when you're in the office space, everything is aligned. When you see cups, the cups are together and they're aligned. When you see- Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, because it's you're setting the tone when you of the one versus the other. So it's yeah. like all the colors in Severance in the office, they're all like, like this off-white eggshell, white, yeah. tan, green. Real world, it's like you're using all the colors and everything is much more disorganized. Mm -hmm. But it's like more indicative of reality and, and lived in. And I think that would be interesting from an art direction standpoint to set the two dichotomies up so that they, the player can almost have a different, it's almost when you have everything on tangents, when you have everything organized and there is no disorder mm -hmm. to an environment, it brings about anger. what inherently happens is you're anything that you're doing it's not like meshing in with other things. So it's, if you put down a cup, you should put the cup along. That should be like a thing of the characters put this cup down and then it's, I should put the dirty cups with the dirty cups in aligning with the other dirty cups. So it's like, everything is like hyper organized. And when everything is like that, I think it makes the, there's like a weird kind of feeling like even you can have other, the character play of the characters that are within the office it'd be like, Hey, who left the cup? over like this it's almost oh they're like really like anal about that type of environment and i think that would just be a, a nice contrast between the two worlds where the one the other world doesn't matter it's like very messy it's very real it's it is real and yeah i think that would just be like really cool and it's almost like when you see the directing style everything is very deliberate i find when they're in the office everybody's dressed a certain way there's this kind of like potential regal nature of being within an office everybody should be happy but then it's put on your do you know happy eyes and then it's this kind of false almost like presentation that's always there to give the semblance of like things being structured but very boring but yeah no stains anywhere everything is clean yeah it's very it's super eerie it is eerie say. yeah like you feel it's almost like you're working at the Umbrella Corporation and it's everything is very much so like just fake and then somebody loses it and bites another person and that's the beginning of a zombie game where yeah and, oh, that and, whole scene the, the music dance experience oh yeah uh, really good yeah yeah it's it's funny I, I worked at a, a studio I think this might be like a side note I might leave out but yeah, this one studio that I worked at, there was a new production manager and they had, I think to build, com but it was like to build camaraderie within the group. And they had people like 
put on music and people would dance or something. It was, it, it felt like they really wanted to try something new to break up the vibe of the office, but it also felt very, yeah, it felt very weird. It's like you don't dance, you don't dance at work. And the rewards were very, I think it was the Lexington letters that said it, but they're very childish to have a dance party and waffles. Like those are very childish rewards or like finger traps like that. Yeah. Yeah. They just felt not like what a regular human wants. Yeah, it is and a falsehood. Usually when you're going out to dance and, and have fun, it's you're going to a club, you're choosing to do that where it was like, when you don't have that, it's almost like forced upon you to a degree. And then you want to, your allegiances, you want to fit in, or like maybe you have personality types that are like, I want to fit in, I want to be accepted. So you're going along with the vibe, but then the vibe is just strange. I remember also working at uh, this one film company where it was, the environment was just so crazy, where at a certain point we were tasked to do these assets we had to do them at a crazy breakneck speed. The idea was they're like, oh, we're going to have a contest of whoever can UV these baobab trees as fast as possible. And whoever can UV the baobab trees as fast as possible will get a plant. And it's just, are you for real? Like this, that is a, that to me coming out of school and that being one of my first experience working in like a place and this was their reward was fucking strange. I'm like, yo, how's what you pay me more? Like I'm pay making, me. yeah, seriously. Like it, it was crazy because my first job that I had to take because it was the only one that got me into, I guess, working in CG professionally, which the main goal is to get into games was I was making like 20 K a year. I was making like nothing. And it's just, yeah, very interesting, very interesting. So you have these people that are like getting paid like relatively nothing, working these like sweatshop hours that they're very, you can see people are very unhappy because the production cycle of this stuff is just crazy. And you're paying, your prizes are, if you do your job really fast, you'll get a plant. And it's, wow, that's super fucked up. That's super fucked up. Anywho, that's my tangent that's okay yeah i guess that's it yeah I those guess, all the questions i guess those are all the questions yeah yeah are you really enjoyed it though oh Where would you it's so good it i think like... definitely the best show i've seen this year but it's yeah it's up there it, i don't know it was just it was so good it just it was so different like honestly apple is knocking it out of the park with their series right now so yeah i i think yeah i'm definitely on board with that as well like i i don't watch too many apple like series but this one ben stiller the writing um, yeah like got to give a huge shout out to Dan Eckerson killed it. Absolutely amazing. Really engaged and really want to see where the story goes. I love the fact that there's somewhat of a, a diverse cast. I love that there's Christopher Walken's in it. Huge, huge shout out to, to Chris. He's a great fella. He's a great guy. And John Toretto or Turturro. Turturro. Yeah. Yeah. That could see us watching Do the Right Thing or something like that down the road. It's, yeah, they're really onto something here. It makes me feel like the other vibes that I feel similar to this was True Detective HBO season one and Mindhunters, which is another kind of. So I, I watched Mindhunters. I haven't seen True Detective though, which I've oh, been told I should. I have True Detective season one. Amanda, oh my goodness. If you haven't seen True Detective, we should. I hope that opens that door because. That is one of my favorite shows for sure. Good to know. Yeah, I'll put it on my list. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. But yeah, I guess that's it. Absolutely awesome recommendation. Glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. No, I'm, yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. No problem.